going on, everybody? It's Tuesday, January 25th. It's a cold night in upstate New York. Got a little snow this morning. Didn't like it when I woke up. But we're here for episode one. What this is going to be is going to be a gambling show as well as giving you weekly recaps to our bets, to what we're looking ahead to, what's hot, what's not. And there's also going to be daily picks on our Twitter account that will be given out at the end of the show. So without further ado, let's jump right in to the recap of the divisional games this past weekend. What a weekend it was. Arguably one of the best weekends I think I've seen in football. I mean, every game was competitive at every point, you know, and that's something that I think we didn't get in the wild card round. So starting with game one, uh, Cincinnati versus Tennessee. Final score was 19-16 Cincinnati. Some key points that I thought stuck out throughout the course of the game, okay? Obviously, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times. I can say I'm 26 years old. I can say that in my 26 years, I've probably watched football for 20 of them. I can't remember the last time a quarterback was sacked nine times in the playoffs and won the game. I mean, unheard of, I would would say, to a certain degree. So what worked for them, though? You know, you look at it, you say, okay, the quarterback was sacked nine times, but what worked was the fact that Joe Burrow felt nothing. He felt absolutely nothing. I mean, he stood in there each and every play, and he delivered and he executed as if he wasn't even hit one time. And that's something I think stands out going forward for Cincinnati and is actually the key to what's going to be good for them going against Kansas City's defense. And I'll get to that a little later when I dive into the championship games. A little further, okay? So pace of play. I thought the pace of play in Cincy and Tennessee, I thought that was the slowest game we watched all weekend. Very slow, very rhythmic. Very, okay, this is what we're running. You know, you saw it with Tennessee, right? Okay, so the first play of the game, Tennessee does what? They do a play-action pass, Ryan Tannehill, five-step drop. But it, he throws it in the double coverage, is picked off. First play of the game. I mean, there's there was something about it. There was no – what we saw Sunday night from Buffalo and Kansas City, we saw none of in the first game of Divisional Weekend. Still a great game. Absolutely – like – you know, people will say it's slow. People have their criticisms, but a nineteen to sixteen game in the playoffs, I, I thought I thought that was a fun game. I really did, honestly. So where I thought the game was lost for Tennessee, obviously Ryan Tannehill, right? Three turnovers, three interceptions. That one at the end was brutal. I mean, I thought the one at the end was just as bad as the first pass of the game. It was in double coverage. It got tipped. I mean, it was just, I don't understand really where where he was going with that ball. I, I, I don't. I don't think it was smart. I don't think it was the design play. I think maybe he saw something, tried to take advantage of it, and just missed. Sometimes quarterbacks do that. So I took a lot of, I took a lot of grief on my own personal Twitter account Saturday night from Cincinnati fans. So I want to get something clear. I want to clear the air here. I love me some Joe Burrow. I'm a quarterback guy. Okay, when I bet games, when I talk about games, I love talking about the better quarterbacks. I love betting good quarterbacks getting points, and I've, I've always stuck to that. So I went wrong right from the start. I admit it. I bet Tennessee. Everything I looked at, I thought Tennessee was going to dominate because of their defense. I didn't think that their offense was going to slow down their defense. You don't typically hear that in a playoff game. So I'll own it, and and like I said, you know, for all the Cincinnati fans that are going to get on me, that are that that did get on me, 
Well, guess what? I'm betting against you again this, this week coming up here because I'm taking the Chiefs. And I'm sorry for that, but I love me some Joe Burrow, but you're not beating Kansas City. I don't care what you did three weeks ago. So that's kind of what I saw in the first divisional game. Moving on to the Packers and the 49ers, okay? This one hurt me. This one hurt me. I had a futures bet for the Packers to win the Super Bowl. They were about plus 450, I think 500 when I put it in. You know, not the greatest odds, but I, I had a I had a, a good bet on it, and I thought that that was something that was going to play out. I'm a big Aaron Rodgers guy, so I, as well as Aaron, took a little bit of little bit of some heat coming Saturday night. You know, he didn't play the best, and I'll be the first one to admit it. Like I said, I'm a quarterbacks guy. I thought Aaron I thought Aaron missed a lot of passes. You know, I thought there was a pass there at the end that obviously was highlighted on ESPN, Fox Sports. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. I don't really, you know, know what everybody watches. But when I saw Alan Lazard cutting across the middle and then Rodgers threw the deep ball and the double coverage of Devontae Adams, it was very clear that if he held on to it a second longer and hit Lazard, they'd probably pick up the first down. They'd probably get in field goal range. We're probably talking a little differently here today. And I'm probably also holding that ticket. So that, you know, we'll get that out of the way. I'm going to blame Rodgers. Right off the bat, I'll admit it, I thought he missed when it mattered the most. Now, Going at the actual game, the schematics of the game, defense matters, special teams matters. The, 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 whole, the whole situation that happened was awful for Green Bay. Look at, look at the way the game broke down, right? So you get a block field goal early on. Then you get a block punt. San Fran scoops and scores, ties the game. Then the last play of the game, San Fran kicks a field goal. You got 10 guys on the field. So there's 0 for 3 as a special teams coach in the biggest game at home as the one seed. You can't do that. You can't do that and live. And what happened is, is you ran into a buzzsaw with San Francisco. San Francisco was rolling. They were playing well. They were executing well in all three phases of the game. You can't not execute three times and expect to win a game when the other team is executing at the level that San Francisco is executing right now. So I put a lot of blame on Aaron Rodgers. I put a lot of blame on the special teams coach. What I think San Fran does well is they can beat you in so many ways, man. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They can speed it up. They can slow it down. They can get after you. They, they, San Francisco is, to what to today's age of offense, to what we're seeing with the way the games are played, San Francisco right now in the playoffs is locking people in a phone booth, and they're beating them. And you don't see that in today's day and age. And look at the Buffalo. I keep going back to that Buffalo-Kansas City game because that was everything that today's NFL wants to be. And what the Packers game was, what a little bit of the Cincinnati-Tennessee game was, was the opposite. It was good for old school guys that like punishing football. Physical, attack you. Guess what? You got to see me in the trenches. Here we go. I mean, did we see Trent Williams pulling on that play? They put Trent Williams in motion, and he ran down three people. I, I, that was I love. That was one of my favorite plays I watched on the whole weekend. Was watching that dude out in front. So I just I think right now, man, honestly, I think San Francisco is, you know, they're taking what they get from Jimmy. Is Jimmy playing well? You could disagree. You could say, you know, they probably based on just his play, they shouldn't be where they're at. But the guy wins games, man. He's 4-1. and one. He's 4-1 and one in the playoffs. That's, that matters. And it really does. And, you know, does he give it away sometimes? Sure. Is there moments where he throws the ball and you're like, wow, he got lucky because it should have been a pick six even. But it's not. And here we are week after week. He's here. They just keep coming back. I just, 
I think it's I think the the whole you know Jimmy's the problem thing. I, I get it, and I'm not disagreeing that he's slowing down how good this team could be. This team probably doesn't win a Super Bowl, and if they have a better quarterback, they probably do, given the momentum and the ride that they're on right now. You know, we always see it in the playoffs. One of these wild card teams catches momentum and they they take off. And San Fran has that, but Jimmy's not Nick Foles. Jimmy's not, you know, some of these wild card quarterbacks that just find time to just get hot and play at a pace that we've never seen before. He's not doing that. You know, but they're still winning games, and I think that matters. And in the in the grand scheme of the things, what San Francisco is, they are defense, they are offensive line, and they're Debo Samuel. And that's okay. And, and it's crazy that we're saying Debo Samuel ahead of George Kittle, but Debo really – I mean, what is he? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? Is he a tight end? Is he the quarterback? I mean, let this kid pass. The whole world might blow up. Everything might get on fire. He completes a pass here. So, you know, I, I just – I'm telling you, I think San Fran's catching some momentum, and I do think that their quarterback slows him down the most. But I, there's something about that playoff magic. It, it, it really is. It's, it's true. It really is. So even though I did have the uh, Super Bowl pick for the Packers, I did have that Super Bowl ticket, I bet 49ers plus six in the game. I thought it was going to be a close game. So, you know, I was really hoping to kind of middle that bet. I was hoping to hit 49ers plus six, but the Packers would win the game. But, you know, as, as they say, I digress. Moving into the next game here, Bucks and Rams. This one was very ugly at first. And, you know, I, I had uh, my bet, my main bet, my big bet on Sunday was Rams team total over 22 and a half points. So if you remember, I think the Rams were, I think they had 20, I don't know off the top of my head, maybe 21 or something right before halftime, and then they fumbled. So I almost hit that at half. I hit it in the third quarter. Still, I'll take that. But Tom Brady almost did it again. He almost did it again. How, I mean, he did do it again, right? They tied the game, essentially. I mean, he did what he had to do. He could. He didn't play defense on that last drive. He didn't let Cooper Cup run wide open down the middle for 60 yards. That's not on Brady. Brady brought them back again. I mean, I, I just, do I think Brady's done? Not to go off on a whole other tangent, I think this is probably the closest closest he's ever been to done. Um, I've heard just, you know, in the last couple of days, a lot of his conversations and what he's been saying um, and in his own podcast and, and what he said about that thing about how uh, Giselle, you know, she her heart breaks every time he gets hit. Like, I just think family's starting to weigh on this dude because, you know, he's 40, what, 45, I think, 44, 45. So, you know, at some point here, we are going to get to the end. I know we think he's ageless and he's lifeless and he's just, you know, he's a walking, talking, football winning machine. But, you know, I think in his later years, we've seen the dude's got feelings. And I just, I don't know, man. I got a weird feeling. This is his last, I think that's his last run. I think he's done. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see him again. I hope we do. I love Tom Brady. I love him as a quarterback. I hated him for years just because, you know, we were all chasing him. Any fan will tell you they didn't like Tom Brady. They didn't like the Patriots because they won. You know, it's not a disrespect thing. It's just. You're rooting for your own team. You don't want to see somebody else win four, five, six, seven Super Bowls. You know, it's it's a, it's just one of those things. It's bittersweet. If he does leave, it's bittersweet. So that's uh, that's kind of my, my little piece on Tom Brady. 
Now, I'll get into, again, you're going to hear a lot of quarterback love from me. It's going to be a thing, especially with football. Matthew Stafford. Woo! That boy, man. Matthew Stafford was in his bag on every single play. He knew where it was going. He knew when it was going there. He knew how it was going there. He knew if he couldn't get it there the first time, he knew where he was going the second or third time. It was, I mean, what I saw out of Matthew Stafford on Sunday was masterful. It was like a pitcher throwing a a shutout. You know, it wasn't a no-hitter. You know, there was some turnovers. There was a couple passes. Maybe should have been pissed up. Picked off. I think that first one early on in the game, uh, he missed Cooper Cup in the back of the end zone. Maybe first drive when they got the field goal, that should have been a walk in, you know, an easy interception. Hit the wide, hit the cornerback right in his hands. Um, so that that one, you know, stood out to me. But it wasn't perfect, but it was fantastic when he needed to be, and that was the best part. I mean, that pass to end the game. If you break it down, you go back, you watch the tape. Matthew Stafford throws that ball, and I saw this on a nice breakdown. I watch a lot of ESPN, so I saw it on a great breakdown between Dan Orlovsky and Ryan Clark. And the way Cooper Cup ran his route up the middle of the seam, he was on the right hash. Okay, and Matthew Stafford saw where the defender was, and he threw the ball to the left hash because he wanted to lead him into the space. And that's something that I think is so underrated from quarterbacks, or maybe not underrated, but maybe we're so spoiled with the level of quarterback play each week we take for granted when something that simple is executed in a perfect way and when something that simple is executed in a perfect way you win a ball game and you win a ball game the way they did I mean when he was again I I only had the Rams team total but when he was scrambling and jumping up and down and telling them to get to the line so he could clock it I was in my living room jumping up and down just as excited as he was because that was such a fantastic play and I know what it takes to, to really make sure that those things hit. Like that's that's such a that's such a a one in maybe a hundred play right there. That's something you see early in the game and you're like, hey, we're gonna go back to this if we need it. And they did, and they hit it at the biggest point in the game. So that for me really stood out was was Stafford's overall play. Now, you may ask, okay, if you didn't see the game, how was it so close? You know, I said it was ugly early. It was so close because Cooper Cup fumbled late. That doesn't usually happen. Cam Akers fumbled late. That doesn't usually happen. Next thing you know, Brady Brady scores two touchdowns. We're in a ball game late in the fourth quarter. So one thing I will say, especially going forward from the Rams, their defense needs to finish. They need to finish. You can't turn the ball over because you're getting a little lackadaisical with a lead. You can't let Jalen Ramsey get cooked one-on-one down the sidelines by the best receiver on the opposing team. Yes, is Jalen Ramsey your best corner? Should he be able to lock everybody up? Absolutely. But you can't leave him one-on-one when you're up two, three touchdowns. Give him a little help. Shell it. Drop back in some zone, man. you got to play to win the game. You can't just keep pushing as if it were 0-0. I think you need to adapt and you need to understand how to finish LA. And I think that's your biggest problem going forward is you're not finishing games and that's going to get me right into what I think for the NFC championship game in a little bit so that's where I'm kind of at with that game now the biggest and probably the best game of the weekend right Bill's Chiefs I mean the Chiefs won 42 to 36 there was 25 points scored in the last minute 24 
Pat Mahomes had the ball with 13 seconds, and he got in field goal range, and then won the game, marched right down the field in overtime. Bills fans, let me address you head on right here. Are the overtime rules bogus? Did you lose on a coin flip? Yes and yes. But you also kicked the ball deep with 13 seconds left. You could have kicked it short. You could have forced Kansas City to run the return back. Maybe burn a couple seconds. Maybe you lose two, three seconds there. So now you're looking at 10, nine seconds left on the clock. Now maybe Mahomes gets one pass off. Now he's got a Hail Mary at midfield rather than taking a shot and getting him down there. I think, I think Buffalo, yes, should you be salty about the overtime rules because Josh Allen didn't get, a, didn't get his opportunity? Absolutely. I don't disagree with you. But you, you made your own bed. You got to lay in it. You're the number one overall defense. Your quarterback got you the lead in the fourth quarter twice. You blew that lead in the fourth quarter twice. You did it with 13 seconds left. And with 13 seconds left, I don't know if a lot of people are going to be familiar with this. I don't know if they've heard it. Okay, the play was called in the huddle. Travis Kelsey, after the game, told the reporters that he told Pat Mahomes, hey, I'm seeing something else. If it's there, I'm going to take it. I'm probably not going to run the route that's called. I'm probably not going to run the route that's called. Why? Because Buffalo, you're just doing the same thing. You're doing it and you're doing it and you're doing it well, but not too well to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I, they're just smarter. Okay, you can't you can't just run out there with with no help over the middle and expect that they're not going to take that. I I just I'm so mad about Buffalo because I love Josh Allen and I th- I think he's an alien. Okay, he's he's phenomenal. How many quarterbacks can you watch sling it the way he does? But then he tucks that thing, man. And he just barrels through people like a bulldozer. I mean, he's one of the most fun players to watch. So I'm I'm just as mad as you that he didn't get a chance in overtime. But again, 13 seconds left. You can't let Travis Kelsey take the seam wide open. You you can't do it. That's your own fault. So. Ultimately, what I think about the overtime rules, playoffs, everybody gets a shot. Regular season, keep it the way it is. I don't want to don't don't come to me telling me that both offenses need cuz honestly, it, what what who who tied this year? Detroit and Pittsburgh. They went to overtime. We saw both offenses four times nobody could score. Don't talk to me about that in the regular season. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to postseason. Yes, everybody gets a shot, and I think that should be something that they change going forward. So that's where I stand on the overtime rules. So ultimately, my pick for the Buffalo and Kansas City game was Chiefs money line. So yes, after what I said about the overtime rules and uh, you know all the all the chaos that happened there at the end, I was happy Chiefs won, and now they're my Super Bowl pick. I'll, I'll put that out there now. With that being said, we're going to dive right into the championship games. First up, I got Chiefs Bengals for the AFC title. A couple things that I saw that stood out to me that I think are going to develop in this game. Okay, this is one. Now, again, Cincinnati fans, you got on me. I took Tennessee. I thought Tennessee was going to win big. I think Kansas City's going to win big. I think this could get ugly. Why do I think this could get ugly? Because Cincinnati, your offensive line is awful. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times, and he was hit 13. We know the numbers. You can't establish the run game. So you're going to be stopped on three and outs. You're going to have more three and outs than the Kansas City Chiefs are. You are going to have to punt more than the Kansas City Chiefs are. That doesn't play well for you in the end. 
you're going to give them more possessions than you're going to have. That is, you can't give Pat Mahomes the ball more than you're going to have it and expect to win the game. And, and don't get me wrong. Listen, like I said, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I am well aware of what they did to win that Super Bowl and how unlikely it was. But you know what the difference was? That Philadelphia Eagles team had an offensive line and a defensive line. They were built in the trenches. Cincinnati, your worst aspects of your football team are your offensive line and your defensive line. Now, Kansas City's not a running team, so you're not going to get bullied too much on the defensive side of the ball. But Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, that's a long day. That's a long day for Joe Burrow. I don't think he can get sacked three times and win this game. Nine, if it gets anywhere close to five, forget it. It's over with. Why does that matter so much? Well, what do you need to do to beat Pat Mahomes? You need to keep him off the field. You need to establish the run. You need to be physical. You need to win the turnover game. You need to win the time of possession game. And then you need to score more points than the Chiefs. That's like Mount Everest if you're the Cincinnati Bengals here. Can they do it? Absolutely. Have other teams done it and done it with less? Absolutely. Is Joe Burrow a fucking stud? Absolutely. There's a fire-breathing dragon on the other sidelines. Apparently, he's got this new fucking nickname, the Grim Reaper. Apparently, Andy Reid told him, when things are grim, go be the Grim Reaper. Are you kidding me? Pat Mahomes, as if he needed something else to boast himself up. He's now the Grim Reaper. Well, guess what? <laughs> your time's come, Sensi. This is your time. you got to meet your maker. And he wears number 15 in the little red and orange. Okay? And that's what you got to deal with. Yellow. Red and yellow. So, for the Chiefs, I'll digress on the Cincinnati hate. For the Chiefs, I think the biggest thing, as I said, the D-line, and because the D-line is going against that offensive line, it, it, the Chiefs secondary is vulnerable, man. You can get the Chiefs secondary. We saw Josh Allen and Gabriel, da Gabriel Davis had four touchdowns. Nobody could cover that dude. The Chiefs secondary is very gettable. But when you have a bad offensive line and it speeds up your process... It makes the secondary's job easier, okay? Burrow's not going to have a lot of time. Those guys are going to get there. It's going to make the job easier for the back half of the, the Chiefs' defense. Those are just facts. There's, it's, it's not something that you're like, oh, hey, maybe this will happen. No, it's going to happen. We, we know what Cincinnati's offensive line is, and it's just going to help the Kansas City defense. Now, take that out. What, are their offense, what does Kansas City's offense do? What is the most glaring thing? Look, in, look at the game that the Chiefs play, right? Ask yourself, what's the most glaring thing about the Kansas City Chiefs? I would say their speed, right? So how quickly Pat Mahomes gets rid of the ball to Travis Kelsey and McCole Hardman and that McKinnon kid who came out of nowhere and is fast as hell. And, you know, the fastest player in the game, Tyreek Hill. I mean, there's no speed to keep up with that. Okay, Jesse Bates. you got Jesse Bates over there for the Cincinnati Bengals. Who's Jesse Bates? Probably going to be locked on most of the game. Travis Kelsey. What's that mean? That means your best corner is Eli Apple. And he's going to be covering Tyreek Hill? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to take those chances. I'm going to lay that. I'm going to lay that number, if you will. And I'm going to just think that at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to play a lot faster than the Cincinnati Bengals can play. 
right? I think that makes sense. Pretty, pretty basic. Where it changes is you have to do something great to win championship games. Well, the Chiefs do something great almost every time they possess the ball, right? It can be, what was that? It was a simple little uh, under route to Tyreek Hill. He literally took the ball and outran 17 people and gave a peace sign to one dude who was 10 yards ahead of him. And he still beat him to the end zone. I, I, just, I just think that there's too many explosive plays and there's not going to be enough for Cincinnati. So, I digress. My spread. I'm not playing the spread yet. I'm going to wait. I'm going to see. I'm going to give my pick out for the game on the Twitter account. My pick for this game, it's still not out yet. I, I checked today on FanDuel. Um, for everybody out there, I play FanDuel. I play BetMGM. I live in New York. Those are the two I use. Um, and right now, Pat Mahomes rushing yards total isn't out yet. So when it does release, I'm going to play Pat Mahomes rushing yards. Why? Because every time there's a big game, the man uses his legs. Every time he's gotten in the postseason, he uses his legs more. I mean, it's just, you see it, whether it's extending plays to throw the ball, or it's just flat out breaking for 45 yards down the middle of the field like he did to Buffalo. I mean, he just, he finds other ways to elevate his game. And I just, I'm telling, I just, I got another feeling, whether it's 54, 64, whatever his rushing total is, I think he's going to beat it this week. I have the Chiefs to win. So I'm taking the Chiefs to win the game. I don't know what my play is going to be on the, on the spread or the total for the over and under yet. That'll be released after. But my play is Chiefs to win and Pat Mahomes over rushing yards for the AFC Championship game. All right, NFC Championship game. We get a rematch of a rematch. We get the third time between San Fran and L.A. The game's in SoFi, at SoFi, in L.A. The Super Bowl is at SoFi in L.A. So we got a, a potential situation where the Rams play a home game in the NFC Championship game and then a home game in the Super Bowl. But SoFi tends to get packed with opposing teams. And I can tell you the 49ers fans travel very well. I think there's going to be a heavy presence in SoFi of 49ers fans Come Sunday afternoon at 6 o'clock, I think there's going to be more 49ers fans than Rams fans. I'm sorry, but there's a lot to do in L.A. There's a lot to do in L.A. You can go watch the Lakers stink. You can go watch the Clippers stink. I mean, hey, you got, what else? What else you got? You got the Dodgers. They're not playing right now. You got a lot of stuff, though, to do in L.A. But is your number one thing to go watch a football game? Maybe not. Probably not. San Francisco, you got a lot of stuff to do there. But more Prone to go watch a football game if you're a 49ers fan, I think, right? I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm, where my head's at as far as the crowd. I think it's going to be more San Fran fans than L.A. fans. I think that matters, too. Looking at the numbers, though, the 49ers this year are 2-0 versus the Rams. They won 31-10 on Week 9, and they won 27-24 in Week 18. The 31-10 game, that was... Pretty bad. I mean, the Rams didn't really play well in any aspects. Turnovers, Stafford didn't play well. They got jumped on. And, you know, that happens sometimes. That one was on the road. The last one, though, was home. And the Rams had the lead. But they blew the lead. And then they lost in overtime. Now, if Arizona doesn't lose as well, we're having a different story. Because this game is probably in San Francisco. Which is also crazy to think of that. But, like I said, here we are. 
Biggest thing for San Francisco, health. Debo, we don't know what's going on. I read some reports today. Um, he took a helmet to the knee. He's supposed to practice according to Kyle Shanahan. I think he's going to play. I don't. I mean, I think there's a lot that would need to happen to keep him out of this game. That's the biggest. Por- that's the biggest important thing, though, to San Fran's success is their health. They can get a little healthy here. They got a shot. O line. San Francisco's offensive line is fantastic. I mentioned the silverback gorilla earlier, Trent Williams. I mean, he is. He's a monster. He's the, he's the number one rated tackle in running and passing this year. And, I mean, you see why when you turn on the tape. See what that guy does. He just he gets people out the club. There's people that want to come in. He don't want them in there. He takes them out. And that's just exactly that's just the way he plays football. He looks at you and he says, what, what am I going to do with you? I'm going to remove you from doing anything positive. And he does it, 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 it successfully time and time again. I mean, he's, he's awesome. I love, I love watching what Trent Williams does and Kyle Shanahan's creativity. I'm telling you, I, again, I'll, I'll say it again. That play, they pulled Trent Williams, and there was a poor cornerback. There was a poor 130-pound son of a bitch looking up. Here comes this 300-pound, six-foot-six dude, runs him right down. One of my favorite things I saw all weekend, and I'm not going to get I love that stuff. I love it. I love watching big dudes hit little dudes. It's my favorite thing. I, I, I love it. So I just, I don't know, man. I think, I think this offensive line has something going. They got a little spark. They got a little, little momentum. Their play calling, too. I think right now their, their play calling is getting the most out of Jimmy G. Yes, his, sometimes his execution isn't great. Sometimes his decision-making isn't great. But Kyle Shanahan consistently puts him in a position to be successful. And he puts a lot of the weight on him to make the decisions. And I would say over half the time, Jimmy Garoppolo makes the correct decision. I mean, he's 4-1 in the playoffs, guys. Let's, let's really take a step back and, and think about this here. Yeah, I know we got... You know, if you look at the Trey Lance-Jimmy situation, it's very comparable to Alex Smith with Kansas City with Pat Mahomes, okay? So, now, I'm not, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing Trey Lance to Pat Mahomes, okay? I think Kansas City moved on from Alex Smith because they knew they had a mythical creature sitting on the sidelines. But what I think comes down to it when you really boil it down is I think where Alex Smith could take you was the ceiling. Pat could potentially raise the ceiling. What you're seeing, what you're seeing out of Jimmy is where he can take you. Okay, if if the defense plays well and San Fran runs the ball and they don't turn the ball over, Jimmy can win you a Super Bowl. Jimmy turns the ball over, fumbles, throws a pick. Now we start getting into all the other possible things that can happen on a football field that can cause you to lose the game. I mean, he did not play great against Green Bay. Don't get me wrong, but he outplayed Aaron Rodgers. He outplayed Aaron Rodgers. You heard that right. He absolutely did. He made the right decisions. And at the end of the game, what was the difference? Aaron Rodgers forced it, force-fed Devontae Adams at the end of the game. Didn't work. What did Jimmy do? He stood in the pocket. He hit George Kittle over the middle. He stood in the pocket. He hit Debo Samuel over the middle. And then you just let Kyle Shanahan beat Kyle Shanahan. Let him call that sweep, that speed sweep to Debo around the end. There you go. Pick up the first down. Go kick the field goal. Win the ball game. It's, it's so simple what San Fran does. And it's successful. And I think we need to stop asking what else can San Fran do and just understand that this is what they're going to do. And they're going to do it well. 
You have to do something else. You can't just show up and say, we're going to beat the San Francisco 49ers today because Jimmy Garoppolo is playing quarterback. That's not, we're not there anymore. You have to show up and you have to be more physical. You have to have a better game plan and you have to create turnovers. The only way San Fran typically loses is when they turn the ball over and don't get a turnover back. And, you know, I, I just, I think for all, and this is funny because I'm, I'm going on a little rant here about the 49ers and how great they are, but I'm taking the Rams. So I just think that it makes it difficult because of the way the, the 49ers play. Like you have to, no matter what your style is, especially for the Rams, and I think the Rams know this better than most people because they played them twice already. If you're a finesse team, if you're a, if you're a glitz, glamour, look at we're going we're gonna to throw up 500 yards with our offense team, you got to find a way to bring your lunch pail, your hard hat, because that's just what it takes to beat San Fran. So with that being said, why do I think the Rams are going to beat the 49ers a third time? Or for the first time in third time, I should say, right? That makes more sense. (laughs) What I think is, I think Matthew Stafford's rolling. I think Matthew Stafford's rolling, and I think he's seeing things better than he was seeing them the first time they met. And you'll say, well, wait, Dylan, they met week 18. Matthew Stafford did what he did. It allowed the 49ers to win the game. Okay, yes. Week 18, Rams knew they were making the playoffs. They needed a little work. They knew they were making the playoffs. They lost. They made the playoffs, and they're hosting the home games before the Super Bowl. So I I think there was a little bit less pressure. And I think when Matthew Stafford has more pressure, he plays better. I think he's one of those quarterbacks that tends to elevate himself to success and bring him down when they're playing somebody lesser. But I think he understands the assignment here. It's a revenge game. That's what I mean by the assignment. This is a revenge game. I guarantee you... Sean McVay and everybody else has both scores plastered up from both games. They have all the headlines. They have everything that they've said about the Rams going against the 49ers all over the place. And there's not too many guys I want to piss off. Aaron Donald's probably at the top of that list. I would say so, right? So now you're giving me a pissed off Aaron Donald, pissed off Von Miller, pissed off head coach, pissed off quarterback, pissed off wide receiver. And they just happen to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, the best triple crown winning wide receiver, and the best defensive lineman we've seen in the last 10 years. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and take those chances that they just might be a little bit better than the 49ers on this day. And that's kind of where, that's kind of where it, it ends up for me. I think the big key, too, is Cam Akers. You know, week 18, Cam Akers played a little bit, very sparingly. Uh, we saw his, his production uh, tick up against the Bucks. right? We saw a lot, of, a lot of heavy volume I think he had. 24 carries, 48 yards. So 24 carries, maybe, you know, we translate that a little bit better. Maybe now you're going 24 for 80-something and a touchdown. Protect the ball. Can't fumble Cam Akers. Can't fumble Cooper Cup. I'm not so much worried about Cooper Cup as I am Cam Akers. But I I think they're really going to focus on the turnovers here and, and limit them. And that's the biggest thing. And like I said earlier, the defense, man, you guys got to finish. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, we all know the names. You guys got to finish. Your safeties are banged up. Yes, but you still got guys back there, man. You guys still, I'm telling you, the Rams are one of the most 
talented teams in the league, and they are for a reason. We know what Les Snead, the general manager, did this year. He sold the boat. He, he, he packed it all in. He lit it on fire and said, guess what? We're starting our home right here on this island. We're not going back. He had no choice. He sold everything for this Super Bowl. And I think you're going to really see that come to fruition this week. I think you're going to see the Rams play better in all aspects, all phases. I think they're going to dominate in all phases. And you're going to get a – you know what's coming. You know you're going to get maybe one to three chances from Jimmy to take the ball away. So you protect it, and this time you win the turnover battle, and you're playing in the Super Bowl, L.A. I really think so. So for my picks for this game, much like, much like they were for the AFC Championship game, I'm going to release my side and my total picks on the Twitter account. Um, but my main play here is going to be an anytime touchdown parlay on FanDuel. You can get this right now at plus 779 odds. And I'm going with Cooper Cup, OBJ, and Debo to score. So everybody out there that is just getting into this thing because it's new in New York, plus 779 odds. What's that mean to you? What that means to you is if you put $20 on that bet, you're getting back $175.82. That's a pretty good return for a $20 wager. And like I said, you know, we're all going to be watching the game. We all got something to, something to win here. And I think that's, that's the most valuable thing you can get out of it. Because I think it's going to be high scoring. I really do, which is I, I'm leaning towards the over. There's a number I'm looking for, and I'm not there yet. But I just I, – it's hard to look, not look at this game and think Cooper Cup's going to score, Debo's going to score. Those two, I think, are, are, are almost shoo-ins. The OBJ one, I'm taking a shot, man. I, I love the way he's shown up these last couple weeks. I mean, the, the guy's everywhere, and he looks good. He looks fast. He looks like he's a step ahead of people again, and that's something we, we – I mean, let's say whatever we want to say about Baker Mayfield, we all kind of thought Odell didn't have that same step. He's got that step and some still. Trust me, it's there. And when you're playing with the best receiver in the game, it's, it, it's pretty easy to, to get open, I would say so. And I say best receiver in the game with a little asterisk. Love me some D-Hop. You know, there's a lot, I know there's some guys out there, but Cooper Cup, man, his numbers, his numbers talk for themselves. He's a triple crown winner. So I just, I, I'm telling you, I like OBJ's chances to score this week. So that'll do it for episode one. It's overtime with Dylan Angelo. I appreciate everybody that checked in, that listened, that followed along. Whether you like me, whether you don't like me, whether you agree, whether you disagree, I always appreciate the love. Again, you can check our Twitter account. Okay, so here comes the handle. It's going to be at Overtime with DA. Again, that's at Overtime with DA. So that, that's where all my daily picks will come for the show. And our weekly podcast will be released on Apple Podcasts. So again, daily picks on the Twitter account. Weekly podcast once a week on Apple. And I look forward to hearing from everybody. Thank you.